All right. That's a good, good thing to know. Got to get the terminology. Neocameralism. stuff like I don't know we might end up deciding that it is in fact pseudo intellectual but like it doesn't cast itself as like Rush Limbaugh is not an intellectual right like Rush Limbaugh is an angry fat man and he doesn't and he he's, he's a he's an it creature you know he doesn't try to appeal to reason <laughs> uh he just sort of tries to confirm that you know all of your all of your Anger is justified, and, and you know, you either want to yell with him or at him when you listen to him, and that's kind of how that show works, right? But yeah, but yeah. Those, that's not really what the neo-reactionary guys are doing. No, I think it's. I, I just think like the kind of the the transformation, tra- like the transmogrification of like kind of American right winger ishness these days. Like, you know, Rush Limbaugh wasn't that long ago, but it's like 30 years ago, I think, when he started, or maybe even more than that. And it's like, still on. like, I listen to it all the time. When he started it was 30 but, years ago, but like, yeah, yeah. yeah. still, and, and like, there's like, there's a part of like, like kind of Breitbartist type stuff that has never really stopped doing the like, just, you know, kind of. Oh, Limbaugh thing. Oh yeah. No, I mean, I think, I think thing. that that tradition is like alive and well, like I think Chapo is yeah. basically that, right? Like it's just on the other side, but it, that sort of um, like John Stewart, same same thing, right? Like the sort of like laugh at the other side, justify everybody's outrage. Like that that formula for a, a talk show is is still very much alive and well. But I I don't take it that that's really what people like Nick Land in the neo reactionary community like are are doing. They're they're not trying to be. They're no. sort of trying to be media celebrities, but like they 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 sort of. We can talk about whether or not they they actually achieve this, but they sort of. You know, like Nick Land wants to be Sark, right? He wants to be a public intellectual. He wants oh, to work. So, okay. So, what we're talking about <laughs> is this sort of interesting phenomenon on the right, right? Where you've got uh, people that aren't like Rush Limbaugh. Or, yeah. or there are, they, they are developing a kind of intellectual, uh, you know, I wouldn't even call them conservatives, right? But, but a, a kind of avant-garde, uh, sort of spooky cool hip uh cultural studies type a lot of people who are from like even slightly have ever heard of nrx before would probably have heard of the cathedral um is that something that you have any thoughts about or do you know what that what i mean so i'll ask you so yeah so here's here's how i understand the cathedral and you like the cathedral is basically the modern university right like or the postmodern university or whatever the fuck universities now right uh that sort of um function as a way of, uh, you know, as a gatekeeper to what counts as, as legitimate um, knowledge, right? Yeah. And, and so it has to, it has to have a certain bent and you have to, and it comes with all of the disciplinary practices of any other thing, right? It's, it's, it tells you it's about free thought and free speech and free expression, but really it means you check your email 14 times a day and you sit on a committee uh right <laughs> you know to to make sh- to 
to count the hours that people put into service projects or whatever, right? So, so you know, like if if you uh, if you want to be somebody who's a free thinker, who's a, uh, an intellectual, who's, who's you know the the avenue for that is to go into academia, but academia uh, sort of functions as a way of hammering all the free thought out of you by way of um, making you chase things like tenure and you know you've got to publish in these places and so on and so forth uh, and in order to and so such that you end up just sort of having to accept a certain position and um, by the time you're at any kind of point where you could conceivably engage in free thought you've been sort of brainwashed into your uh, you know sort of typical professor opinions yeah exactly so i think like you know like the cathedral is meant to remind you that you know in pre-modern times in pre-modern europe um there was like a monopoly on ideas that was enforced by the church and if you didn't conform to those ideas you could be burned at the stake or you would never get a job or whatever and essentially um, I think they pick on, there seems to be an like outsized place for the, you know, the academic system in their way of thinking, I think because Land comes from there and Moldbug probably thought he belonged there, but was, you know, was rejected and wound up in, you know, um, a less, uh, a less revered form of um, uh, study in sort of the, the coding universe. But uh but yeah, so the so the the academia side of it is 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 one that kind of stands out big when they whenever they talk about the cathedral. But really, they're talking about um, the establishment anywhere, anywhere that you you know might might you know get into a position of power or influence or get ahead in life, whether it's through government, whether it's through um, sort of the the professions, um, the media. Uh, there is a sort of a cooling effect on, you know, what you can say, uh, who you can associate with, what who's who's allowed to be um, uh, part of the official discourse of the society around you. Um, right. And according to them, that's you know, like like feminism and cultural Marxism are the only things that are allowed. Right. And if you if you um, depart from those premises of like like uh, affirmative action or like sort of gay rights or something then you get canceled and you'll never have a job and uh you know the cathedral will burn you at the stake kind of thing um yeah i think you know i think we're oversimplifying a little bit there aren't we like um like it's cultural marxism he just isn't really what he's right like it, in a way that sort of has a place for him he just sort of thinks it's wrong doesn't he I think like I think we'll get to what Nick Land would probably say further about this, but he wouldn't sort of limit his critique to cultural Marxism or even what they right. call the cathedral. So, well, but even the cathedral isn't isn't just like you know, it's his critique of the cathedral is a little bit more interesting than like, um, you know, it's feminists or something, right? Like it, it like in a way the cathedral uses feminism against itself, right? Like, it, I'm just saying he sort of shares a critique of, of those institutions with people on the left, right, who who would be critical of people like Hillary Clinton and what you might call like state feminism, right, where. Right. Where yeah, yeah, yeah. Supposed to, um, we're supposed to we're supposed to vote for Hillary because she's a woman. Right. And and so, like, it would be great to have a woman 
president, right? Despite the fact that she's a fucking war criminal or whatever, right? Yeah. Uh, and so, so yeah, I think like I think I think the critique of the cathedral is more like you know like you 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 end up in a position where you you know you can't even make <laughs> a real feminist statement anymore, right? Like by the time you get to uh, by the time you you've chased you've chased through all of the and you've jumped through all the hoops that you've got to do to you've got to jump through by in order to you know um, finish chasing your tail or whatever right and like in order to situate yourself. Okay, so let's let's talk about what Nick Land calls the human security system because it's more interesting than the cathedral anyway, and it's kind of a parallel. Concept. It's kind of connected though, right? Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. So. Um, the human security system is a term that he uses, and it, it basically, um, he's he's talking about like anything um, that uh, human societies, even individuals, but probably in a community, like in a social way, um, are able to produce um, as a way of kind of mitigating the uh, the effects of um, sort of threats to uh well-being or survival either of the individual or the group um and he sort of sees like that and this is sort of why it's called the dark enlightenment that especially after the enlightenment that kind of got so that that apparatus of of security systems got so convoluted and complex and out of control that it's really inhibiting human progress or not human progress but it's really inhibiting progress rather than appropriately kind of safeguarding um, safeguarding us from harm. And uh, so it's sort of um, it sort of has like uh, like it, it, like it's it's explicit in the sense of it's a human security system. it's it's there to protect or immunize us against something negative, right? Um, but what it what his approach to it is is that it's sort of we sh we shouldn't, we shouldn't embrace that protection. Protection is like at, at the darkest point or the creepiest point, protection or security or stability is kind of for the weak. Um, and we should kind of lay ourselves bare to the, to the to the forces in the universe that might be too much for us. I mean, what do you think? Oh yeah. Well, okay. I see what you're saying. Do you want to talk about, I mean, like it's an interesting story about his, his sort of, break right like do you want to talk yeah. about that right uh, yeah. to hack the the you know sure, sort of yeah. before his re-emergence as a as an insane fascist or whatever like wasn't he wasn't he taking like huge amounts of drugs and uh in attempts to kind of you know uh confront whatever this awful you know thing yeah. is i i, I yeah. can either of course i can either confirm or deny what drugs but like he was he was sort of like a rave not even rave, like industrial music, psychedelics, 90s. He was a British person in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He was like a William Gibson character, right? Or like right. he really wanted to be. Yeah. Um, and like he would do all these kind of insane things. He was a professor uh, somewhere and uh, I guess at work. And um, he was sort of staging these like happenings, right? Kind of like the flip side of of a 60s um uh like a, a psychedelic happening he was sort of you know in the far more like dark and edgy 90s like having these happenings so that he would expose himself through 
like I don't know MDMA and like Primus um, to some kind of like <laughs> Primus. I don't know. Like I don't know what kind of like, that's. Yeah, no, that's fine. But, that's fine. Yeah. I don't know either, but I don't think it yeah. Primus, but that's fine. Probably. <laughs> I don't know, like some kind of drum and bass thing or something. Um, yeah, and like, uh, but yeah, so he was trying to hack the human security system through this kind of, I guess, um, consciousness, like messing with consciousness, with his consciousness somehow, or the, or, or subjective consciousness in some way. I mean, do you really, do you have any sense of like what that was supposed to do? Um, I mean, I, like I understood it as a kind of like, you know, uh, you know, within in that tradition of like insane European people, like Bataille and Marquis de Sade, and like sort of like you know trying to um, trying to sort of like inhibit inhibitions so as to sort of you know allow for for the next you know possible thing to happen. So like by like acting like so by doing stuff like and acting really weird, like it was a way of like becoming less attached to you know, the ego that you have constructed by, like, you know, sort of complacent bourgeois life or something. You're supposed to be able to yeah. push through somehow, right? Yeah. And you're not supposed to worry about, well, you know, like, um, like the welfare state provides for people who haven't had the opportunities you have, or you're not supposed to worry about, um, I don't know, like, like all, all, the, all of the things that at this point in his career, like, he eventually wound up despising um i guess that sort of those experimental things were were in effect the uh, the process of breaking down like you know the the morality structure or the the value structure that you know he wanted to get through yeah and you know like i could see that right like um a space outside of discipline or whatever right and just what the fuck does that even look like is a is a good question well, right. like the old, old, like Marxist, like new man idea, right? Like you have to like, you know, like for the, or like, um, I guess it was like Che Guevara was like telling people you have to, um, you know, push yourself to the absolute limit of human endurance or past the limit of human endurance until you can no longer like, you just break down and cry because you've been in the jungle eating like cornmeal for so long and you can no longer even imagine yourself the way you did when you were comfortable student in a middle-class town because yeah just... I, don't, I don't i don't know i mean like it doesn't seem to me that like there's an important difference there with pleasure right like it seems like it seems like there's a there's a use of pleasure in in the sort of hedonistic side of things versus a kind of ascetic thing that che Guevara's talking about or whatever right um oh, yeah but i don't know like yeah I don't know I mean, it's, it's, it's really not a perfect but, comparison anyway but yeah like if it's if it's I could, you know, again, maybe we shouldn't be speculating about this stuff, but like if it's coming out of a kind of, you know, anti-psychiatry, anti-establishment uh, sort of, you know, uh, 70s French postmodernism stuff, like I could, I could see that stuff, you know, um, you know, trying to find spaces that are not uh, fucking documented basically right right um yeah like a sci-fi element too right like yeah because yeah we haven't talked about that but he is also like like kind of like a weird fiction writer and a sci-fi writer so we yeah we, and i think we should i mean we're 
probably going to have like the longest conversation ever right now. But um, wait, at some point we should talk about that too. Like he's like, I think that's kind of like a, a good way to um, kind of figure out some things about Nick Land is that there is this kind of like element of the like the bizarre. <laughs> yeah, we should probably stick to things we know instead of speculating. But I mean, there, there is just, and I'm the one who opened this up to speculation here, but there there is a neat essay that I did read part of <laughs> that he writes right after doing drugs forever. Okay. And it, like, the point is basically like this broke him, like it, yeah. it just destroyed him, right? Um, uh, to the point where like he's 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 uh, he's just been doing speed or whatever for forever, and he's hearing voices in his head, and like mm-hmm. he's, you know, um, yeah, he's basically just it, rather rather than uncovering some kind of you know new insights into into the human condition what he what he really ended up doing was just destroying himself right mm-hmm. um and then he kind of disappears for a while and, and comes back as this science fictiony neo-fascist right is that- yeah so i think I, I think so um i guess the one thing i would add is like i think like like the there were like so I, and i don't know if we made this clear enough when we were talking about it before but like at this point, before all all of the drugs and experimentalism kind of re- reaches its peak, he is in some sense a Marxist. He's working with Mark Fisher, who, until the point he died, was was like a a Marxist thinker. Um, he's working within like a kind of a group at work university where, um, you know, I think there's a kind of consensus that they're all on the that they're all kind of doing like avant-garde leftism stuff. Yeah, and he's he. His hacking the human security system at that point was a way, I guess this is kind of the point you were making about like how, you know, they, they would be critics of like a Hillary Clinton type figure in the sense that like the human security system at that point was holding back the emancipatory potential of Marxist style class consciousness. And they, they were trying to find a way to break through that deadlock as it exists in the 90s rather than as it had existed for like 60s radicals in 68 or whatever they they were saying okay we've got a whole new set of problems and we're going to deal with it with whatever this kind of experimental like consciousness stuff and then yeah so then the point is he comes he, he goes to shanghai or something like that comes back um i wouldn't say as a fascist but he comes back as a person who um is def is is no longer interested in the emancipatory potential of marxism or in the emancipatory potential of any idea that is focused on human emancipation. He's come to it with a post-human and post-political um, fixation, which is like it, it would it would seem to be flaky, but I think it's not that flaky. Um, so yeah, so let's talk about that. Um, All right. Okay. So he comes out of the like he comes back from um, a hiatus where he was apparently in Shanghai or somewhere. Um, and this is where I think it's kind of interesting to, to think of like this kind of, um, this neo Lovecraftian image he has for himself of like the, like, uh, sci-fi, weird fiction, horror. Um, he does write like, like sci-fi horror books and I haven't read them, but apparently they have a Lovecraftian flavor to them. And there's a essay in, uh, in which he kind of goes into all the, um, like the, the accelerationist stuff pretty deeply and he comes out with a with a an image of like face tentacles right so like an explicit call out to like cthulhu and stuff like that all right so why don't we stop there you use the word uh maybe we should maybe our listeners would like to know what that word means what, what is accelerationism zeke 
Well, accelerationism is funny because I see like actual accelerationists redefining it on Twitter every day. Um, but I think like in simple enough terms, it's the idea that you are in favor of pushing the um, the disastrous effects of capitalism and society to the point where they um, where they might break things and uh, and that you're not trying to hold them back because their destructive capabilities is not a concern for you. You're you're trying right. you're trying to push the ultimate effect and like Marx was. Yeah, we can aware of this, say, right? Like, yeah. You can, this is a, this is a concept that exists on the left and the right, right? Like there are left accelerationists, for instance, who think like, you know, uh, yeah, we want more Walmarts, right? It's easier to unionize. And, and then when we seize the means of production, eventually we want that distribution network to be collectively owned because it's national and it'll be easier to use or whatever, right? Yeah. So Marx thought that like no economic system can be overthrown until it reaches its full potential. For some reason, he he wrote that somewhere. And like the implication of that is like you, you know, capitalism has already created all these wonders and all these amazing advancements. So for Marx, it was, well, when we get the proletarian revolution, we want the the full kind of the peak um, capabilities of capitalism that right. we are then able to move for, like move past. And we're not right. necessarily going to predict what moving past it means, but yeah. we're not trying to hold, hold capitalism back, go back to something more of a, a mix between the previous feudal system and the capitalist system. We're, we're encouraging the, the sort of the rapid pace of destructive progress that we see around us because we're committed to what's on the other side of it. Um, right. So if you're on the left and you're an accelerationist, you might just say like, you know, fuck buying local, basically. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> those, those, those sort of, you know, it's, it's a nice, it's a nice snobby way to be like, yeah, I can still go shop at Costco. Um, but, uh, anyway, the point is right. Like that I'm just saying that because that's kind of how it shakes out. Right. Like you can see how that would work on the left or whatever, but mm -hmm. then, uh, how does it work for, for Nick Land then? What does he think of as acceleration? Like what makes him an accelerationist? Right. So, um, so for, for neo-reaction, and it's kind of a funny word because we typically think of reactionaries as like, um, like they want to, they want to push back against progress, right? Like, um, like reactionaries in the, at the time of the French revolution, which were like the kind of aristocrats who wanted to preserve the old, the ancient regime. Um, so for NRX, like neo-reaction, um, they embrace a type of accelerationism, I think, which is, um, which is is it's not conservative or backward looking whatsoever. It's completely radical um, or they, they embrace a sort of reaction that's completely radical, I should say. So obviously accelerationism is radical. It's pushing things to their breaking point. Um, but it's in a, in a sense of um, in opposition to the apparatus of. Uh, how do you put it like progress that benefits the human community? Um, so the things that we think of as um, human progress that we embrace in our kind of liberal democracies and, and under liberal capitalism, where standards of living are improving, um, uh, sort of tolerance of, of different uh, sexual identities, uh, racial uh, groups and so forth are slowly incrementally getting better. Um, and, uh, and hopefully we'll deal with climate change or something like that. Right. So all of this type of stuff 
um, in the view of NRX and their version of accelerationism is like, you know, those are putting band-aids on a gushing wound. You're, you shouldn't be too, you shouldn't be concerned with those things. In fact, you should be trying to um, tear those things down so that you see what happens once, once the bleeding out really gets going. Um, so, uh, so we're, we're, yeah, we're going to have to get to like AI and super intelligence. So let's talk about the monster because I think the monster is what gets, gets to that point. Um, so like, as I said, he's got like a Lovecraftian personality, right? So it's a techie, like William Gibson-esque sort of tentacle face, um, aesthetic that he plays with. Right. Right. Um, and it's sort of like, you know, it, it's, again, it's like one of these things that seems like it should be quite flaky. Like that doesn't really have a place in theory. Um, but of course we do know that a lot of like serious people deal with transhumanism and deal with like, um, sort of, uh, well, and deal with AI as a concept. Right. So like, um, uh, in most cases, when we, when we hear intellectuals and academics talk about transhumanism or AI, it's in the sense of like, okay, well, you know, if we're careful, maybe this won't be so bad or like, what the hell will we do when it happens or something like that? Um, the way Nick Land approaches it is far more of like an enthusiastic, rapturous, I can't wait to see the AI and let it rip my flesh off kind of attitude. And, you know, of course you wonder why that would be something to be excited about. Um, so it, reading Nick Land reminds me of like, uh, so True Detective season one, Matthew McConaughey has, has like a nice long speech about like how being like your identity and everything is just a dream. You, you dream that you're human. You think you're human. Really, you're just a bag of flesh and you have like sort of a bunch of like, you know, sh uh, like receptors flaring off that make you think things, but you're really just like a meat puppet. Right. And at the end of that speech, he says, like, you know, it's the dream of being human. And like all dreams, there's a monster at the end of it, like a nightmare kind of. Right. And and then, you know, they go on and they have a gunfight and it's like a pretty cool part of the show. But um, th like the 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 thing that that reminds me about with Nick Land's um, thing is that there's uh, this this horrifying the sense of like terror and chaos and fear um, behind all of our sort of imagined identities that, you know, you look into the void, what is it really? Right. And he gives it like an actual character. Um, and one word for that is capitalism. So in a sense, the, the thing that like that programs our brains and makes us think we're an individual makes us think we're a person is capitalism. That's not that controversial. I mean, at least if you're like into leftist theory, I guess, um, or into like types of some types of theory, but, the specifics of how he thinks about capitalism are capitalism is AI or it is the superintelligence. So you have um, you have uh, like a, a logic that um, produces all of these kind of automaton type people f chasing down its little goals and um, and all of our like all of our consciousness and our um, our goals and our values and things are already programmed by the logic of capitalism and everything that we've done that we've set up in terms of trying to uh, make human life better in terms of diverting sort of uh, wealth and profits into um, more human types of development um, into things that 
uh, improve the the quality of life for people who can't necessarily make a profit on their own. All of those things are diverting it away from that that overwhelming logic of the like big monster intelligence that's behind it all. Um, so yeah, that's that's the monster thing, right? And like I don't know if you. I don't know if you like I, I personally am not like a Lovecraft reader. I don't know about you. No, and, no, yeah. I mean I I'm, I'm familiar with the like the general idea, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. like but like I never I never read it. But like Lovecraft, like in in distinction from Nick Land, like, you know, when his characters or when he would write about coming face to face with this like terror underneath all existence, he wasn't happy about it. Like it would drive his characters insane. You know, it was it was the kind of thing that only like the kind of like the uh, the lesser races, as he kind of wrote about, like all the kind of people that were not white would like worship these like old gods. Um, Nick Land is is far more enthusiastic. He's he's treating it as like, yeah, so I am a meat puppet. Um, my body is just like a, a carrier for the logic of 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 the super intelligence um and you know i'd rather live in a world where there's nothing sort of in between me and that i want to just directly act out the logic of of this this super intelligence that i could never be um intellectually competent to really grasp or understand i mean something something about that idea of like the big unknowable horror should be resonant to like the kind of philosophy that you talk about no it should yeah i mean yeah i don't know i mean it's the machine right like it's 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 not all that different from a marxist analysis right like the the thing that 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 uh, troubles people right is in a sense in some sense not really people right it's the uh, it's the undergirding uh, organization of people, right? Which ends up being the cause of all our misery, right? Um, and it ends up using our own actions against us, right? We, we think we're acting in our own interest and it turns out we're really just serving the machine or whatever, right? So it's yeah. like, that's, that's, that's another interesting thing about, about Land is his analysis of, of that isn't all that far off from a sort of traditional leftist position. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Like, I well, and I think like so the the one thing that I would say I do appreciate about Nick Land is that like like he not only does he willingly say that like you know this is the case um, we shouldn't sort of we shouldn't get too we shouldn't get caught up in the illusion we know it's an illusion and we shouldn't kind of allow ourselves to be comforted by you know the way that just regular life feels we know underneath it all there's just chaos and crazy like or not chaos but like a, a logic that's too big for us to to appreciate it as anything but uh, but but something chaotic or fear like fearsome um not only do we know that and do we accept it but like uh you know we i guess that we ex yeah so not only do we know that but we accept it we don't try to pretend that there's like some other that there's some way out or that there's some um that that's like at some point in the future and we just need to commit ourselves now to preventing it from happening um i don't think that there's you know very many well articulated political positions that say okay this this thing's completely out of our control um 
how are we going to, you know, like, well, this thing's completely out of our control. Can we even imagine what it's going to be like, um, whether we try and stop it or not, right? Whether we try and stop it from realizing where it's going. Um, and I do kind of appreciate that about this, this, this way of thinking, because I, I get, I get like, I, I always find with, you know, uh, with ideologies that I'm more sympathetic to that, like, yeah, at a certain point you have to say, well, no, like we can't really like reprogram everybody's way of everybody's consciousness, right? Like we, if, if, if we're recognizing the signs all around us that we live in sort of an, a constructed capitalist reality that makes us do things, um, you know, like we should be starting to prepare for where that's taking us rather than saying, oh, there's something wrong with this. What do we do about it now? Um, you know, like how, like, uh, if we're really afraid of where it's going, then like, you know, we should face it kind of thing. Um, but Nick's, Nick Land isn't afraid of where it's going. He kind of doesn't really like people apparently or human existence at all. And he's like happier with the idea that we will be just kind of like meat puppets for, um, for Roko's Basilisk. Yeah. 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 Roko's yeah, yeah. Basilisk. Yeah. 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 Um, but okay, so uh, yeah, so that's like, and I guess we should have made this disclaimer first off, but like, you know, I started like kind of looking into this this way of thinking a couple of months ago, and the conversation that we're having now, I think, is intended really just as a way of like, you know, two guys introduced to this concept rather than two people that really either certainly don't ascribe to it, but but don't know it inside out either. And like, oh yeah, no, this yeah, is just sort of how you. Ago. If you want to learn what this is. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, I think we both just find it interesting. And it's like, like we were saying before a little bit, right? Uh, it's not your usual angry white man, right? I mean, he is an angry white man, but like he's not your usual Rush Limbaugh character or whatever, mm -hmm. right? And he doesn't, he doesn't even seem to care. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong about this, but he doesn't seem to care about sort of day-to-day -day politics, right? Like, d is he tweeting about, and uh, what's your name, AOC? Oh, I doubt it. I, I mean, yeah. I don't follow him, um, yeah. but I know he does, he is a big Twitter guy. But like, no, I think it's, I think, I think, um, yeah, maybe maybe he would dip in if he thought it would was funny. Like that. But <laughs> yeah. like, I don't think that's his big concern. That's not yeah. his thing, right? And like, yeah. I think that that's the most interesting thing about this stuff, right? Is that it it uh, it sort of attains to a kind of uh, discussion of ideas that that you don't see on the right all that often. Right? Well, yeah, they've all, like there's always been kind of snobby right intellectuals, but I think there's something kind of different about this now. Like this isn't like William F. Buckley or like oh yeah. Yeah, fucking they, asshole like that right like this is like we're also like very concerned with like what's happening on the ground right now right like it doesn't mm. seem like man gives a shit about that stuff right, right. Wrong, but well i mean i, I think, I think that's he, partly what's interesting about it i think he probably does care but like the way yeah. that he like he like he's he he kind of he, he works in a different field and like this is kind of where i wanted to like end off so so maybe we'll start tying tying the things together now um but like Here's what I kind of think about what NRX and what these kind of techno libertarians like Nick Land and Manchester Moldbug are are doing. I think they, what they think of themselves is 
is that they are the people who now can explain power to itself. Like they they think that they have the inside track on, you know, how how uh, um, like a Pepe movement can influence an election or how um, like the Yang Yang um, can be mobilized in in a way like in this sort of like direct like cut through the cut through the layers of kind of indoctrination that you've had in the cathedral and just use a meme to like download some insidious thought right to your brain. And they love this right. idea of like, um, of having like a, a short circuit into kind of public act or like not public action, but into to a, an impact in the public reality, the, the sphere of the real world. Right. And, um, and you know, I don't think that, um, that since like the seventies, um, people who use the sort of tool bag of postmodernism have tried to do that. Like there was a sort of a leftist project a bit trying to do that, I think, for a long time, um, trying to kind of, uh, to, to sort of, um, I, I guess basically they, they were like kind of in, in a world where like, uh, where like um goldwater or somebody like was was a like a like barry goldwater was like a genuine like right-wing um populist and they had they were like kind of european intellectuals coming over and saying hey well have you thought about the radio like how that's really affecting your consciousness and and they would, oh, they see, would yeah. take that those kind of like cutting edge avant-garde um sort of philo philosophical pseudo sociological um premises and and take it to the think tanks or take it to Washington um and I kind of think like like Nick Land kind of maybe has a dream that he can do that um but as you're saying he doesn't really try that much to influence things so I think he at least thinks that he can explain what power is now today like as opposed to how it was in the 70s or even the 90s yeah um, but I mean, that's an interesting project that's all mm -hmm. that that is the project mostly of like we said before, like vaguely leftist mm -hmm. university people usually, right? Mm -hmm. and, and yeah, I mean, I think that's mostly the thing that's interesting about a guy like Nick Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Nick, like Foucault was explaining power in, in a way that you know the people in power didn't couldn't really get their heads around. Right. Um, you know, all of the all of the post-structuralists and the postmodernists were in a way. Um, taking stabs at that and then like the explicitly leftist people like i don't know like negri is he like and like um uh like laclau and those people like that was like very dense hard to um hard to deal with kind of theory and you, you know there, there's no way that like bill clinton could pick it up and like, i don't know he was a road scholar I bet he probably could, but it, it, well, he just, I just I mean, mean he's probably used to reading weird academic stuff. But far um, for me to like disparage the intellect of William Jefferson Clinton, but I was just saying like <laughs> he he couldn't pick it up and apply it. He could maybe read it, but he couldn't yeah. pick it up and apply it to government. Like that was something where you know the bureaucracy, the bureaucracy especially before kind of um, like the last couple of years, it it seemed impenetrable that like the bureaucracy would kind of run the state. They would give you a handful of very similar candidates to vote for, and it was a joke that you were even voting. And I think, like, I of course think that's still true, but like, there there's a sense, and it's mostly on the right now. Although we'll see, like, what um, 
if the left, like, if they can get any of those candidates to not just get torn down by the the grind of it. But um, like, there is a sort of a, a sense that like, um, from the ground up, impact can happen. And I think a lot of that is like tech technically enabled. And so that's where somebody like Nick Land thinks he is a yeah he is a capable figure who understands you know the kind of cybernetic link between society and its technical counterpart in the superintelligence and he can say here's why you think like this here's why you turn to this direction um and he probably think that's very valuable for you know the right politician or the right power brokers um you know he is connected to peter thiel in some way um old bug i think is directly working for peter thiel so um you know they're they're kind of looking to those figures and and we didn't even talk about like patchwork and all that stuff their 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 kind of dream is that like you know mega corporations will be the new legitimate power in the world um i don't really think we should go launch into like what we actually think about that and i don't even really think it's that um pertinent and here's like the last thing that i wanted to say and i'll like i'll stop ranting in a second but um i was sort of looking over this stuff right around the Christmas season a few months ago and like I was Christmas shopping in like you know like a kitchenware store and I was kind of like just my brain was like kind of tuning out and I started to hear um video killed the radio star was playing like in like in the store and like my brain just started wandering and I was like why the fuck would you play that now like okay I get it actually now I do know why you play that because it's harmless it's like it's a song everybody knows you tap your foot it's easy to listen to while you're Christmas shopping but like the the sentiment in that song is supposed to be like really avant-garde and cutting edge it's like cool video killed the radio star wow MTV uh, we've never seen anything like this before in the world and it just led me to think like, you know, the, the purpose of that song has completely transformed since it was first released to now. Now it's just like a soothing thing for Gen X people while they're shopping. At the time, it was supposed to blow your mind. And that's sort of what I wonder about Nick Land. Like, I think he's I think he's very interesting. I think he's like his his like all of his theories, like well done and everything. But we've already like kind of had the Matrix and like, <laughs> you know. Blade Runner and stuff like the the like mind blowing moment of it is like kind of located in I don't know like 1988 or 92 or something like that and like the idea that we're all kind of meat puppets at the at the mercy of a super intelligence is kind of familiar uh, like in day to day life like you kind of listen to your like the prompts on your phone to like tell you to do things all the time right like it's not like you can't get your head around this concept and i think like the the lovecraftian imagery and the the drugs and the weird music and you know the kind of like uh, outsider like cool avant-garde intellectual thing are a bit of a leave over at this point for for nick land i mean would you would you argue with me on that? Like, do you think there's still like this is still like kind of um, do you think this is still like a dangerous idea or like something that um, that explains kind of this the the weird sense of like you know fear that most people have when they engage with politics now or is this kind of like a given? Um. So I think like to some extent I get bored when people start talking about posthumanism if that's what you mean. Right. Okay. Like the idea that 
um, it means something different to be a post-human than it has ever meant, right? Like that we're gonna, like the fact that we have cell phones and, and stuff is somehow different. It is different, but like it's somehow a huge difference from the fact that we have, we, you know, have always been the kind of being that, that externalizes our minds in the kinds of things that we build, right? Like we've always been that. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and there's something that's different about cybernetics, right? And, and that I think is interesting, but I think that that's already happened. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, and like cybernetics yeah. was a term that came out and I like that, what was it, the 50s or 60s? And it, it pretty much exactly like the yeah. book that was his name, Norbert yeah, yeah, yeah. wrote, like pretty much exactly described what we have now. So uh, <laughs> what I was, what I was, what I was trying to get at though, right, is like, so I think that in some sense, this has already happened, right? Um, and so, like, the sort of sensationalism about, you know, the idea that, like, you know, your children are going to be something different than you or something, right? Like, and we're just never going to understand this new generation that's growing up with all these cell phones, right? They're going to be post-human or whatever. Like, I think that's a lot of sensationalism. But I think, like, I think the thing that Nick Land does that's interesting, right, is he says, like, you have yet to actually confront, right? the change like yeah the change already happened but like you don't want to look at it because it's scary right and and so like this the idea that we we need to like dive into it and that this is a scary thing and and um and and embracing it and diving into it is going to lead you to accept some very disgusting truths <laughs> or whatever right um that i think is at least interesting yeah i think i think that's interesting and what do you think about like is it frightening like is it is it actually like affecting like the whole peter Thiel thing and like are we actually like does nick land represent like a thing where we're um you know we're moving into a more frightening form of authority oh um it's possible right <laughs> i mean i don't know peter Thiel scares me if that's what you mean right yeah um and like you know, the end of the world seems infinitely more possible now than it did 10 years ago. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I think, like, like the attitude, the thing that's scary about Nick Land is the attitude, right? Like, the, like, no, you just have to dive headlong into it. And that means, right, like, probably it's going to go that way. And, like, really, you know that, <laughs> right? And, um, you know... And so figuring out how to deal with that, right? Like that's interesting. Uh, and that that's the scary part, right? It's not it's not even that like, you know, Peter Thiel's gonna win. Like Peter Thiel is gonna win. <laughs> right? And you just haven't actually confronted the the um, the reasons and, and what that already means about what you are, right? I think that's interesting. And and that that could I could I mean I see that as a little bit unsettled. <laughs> Does that make sense? Well, yeah, so I guess what I'm asking, uh, what, like, I guess my point about the whole dumb thing about the song in the, re in the, in the store was, like, I kind of think that as much as I can confront that, right, I did so, like, several years, like, many years ago. I think what's happening now is that it's become, like, I think that, like, maybe political institutions are starting to adapt and realize how to work with that. So 
you know, it's a little bit more threatening rather than just like kind of an ambient reality of, yeah, we're all kind of controlled by like a kind of a, a tension between the human and the, and the machine or whatever, or, and, or, you know, the subject and capital, but like that, 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 that could be used by an authority, like a corporation city, <laughs> like that, that Peter Thiel could build an Island city and just like, you know, program people for miles around like that there's that there could be a, a an ideology that allows him to 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 grasp how to right. do that yeah and there is one right mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's yeah. the one that we have right well that's right. that's exactly that's, it. yeah that's the scary thing about nick land or whatever right yeah um, yeah so yeah so just just to make that a little bit clearer like like it's not that nick land is bringing that in like suggesting that to Peter Thiel. It's just that he's like pointing out that, yeah, this is what you have in your see, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that that's, yeah, that's neat. Right? It's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's not even a good idea. Like, it's just like, you know, that's, um, it's, it's, it's an interesting, so I, when you say it's a good idea, like it's a good idea, you think for Nick Land to talk to Peter no, Thiel? No, God, no, 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 idea, no. Like, it's, it's just an, it's a, it's an insight. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good like, insight. It's a good presence insight. or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think that's I think that's right. Like there's an interesting insight into the present, right? But it's like any science fiction, right? It's it's uh, it's happening now. It's happening now, right? And and the future it suggests is a sort of exaggerated version of the present, mm -hmm. right? And so like it doesn't. It's not you know. Yeah, it's it's not a determinist. Like the the things that are interesting are about it are not its like future predictions. If you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, go on. Well, well, I mean, I just, I was going to say that, like, if, if that were what was interesting about it, then there's a problem because, like, you know, Blade Runner perfectly depicted it in right. the 80s, right? Like, yeah, you yeah. saw the corporation states. You saw yeah, yeah, the, right. the post-human people, right? Yeah. So it's not... And we live in it. Like, you know... Right. That's the, that's the uncanny thing about watching yeah. Blade Runner is it's not, like, a really freaky future, yeah is it's like it's uh it's a pretty consistent reflection of like what we kind of intuit about the world we live in and like you know for him for him to like make that plain and explicit to power itself is i think to me that's what i'm conflicted about whether i'm okay with with that or not because i think like if, if the sort of if the political like um deadlocks and crap like that that we're very used to in 2019 are anything to go by it doesn't seem like the political structures are wise to that game yet it seems like they're trying to like they're not catching up and they're they're kind of stulted and they're you know not really capable of dealing with um like a kind of a post-industrial state type of political order and I just kind of hope like he doesn't just give the game away to somebody like Peter Thiel, who has everything he needs in his hands to kind of become something worse than um, would happen if he didn't know. You know, it, maybe it's better if they're ignorant. But anyway. Oh, yeah. yeah. I see what you mean. I don't know. Like, like you mean like 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 Nick Land is dangerous or something because he's he's got the. I think the perception is that he's dangerous. Right. I don't know. I mean, I, I, yeah, I think Peter Thiel is probably far more dangerous than Nick Land. Like Nick Land's. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I don't know, was Carl Schmidt dangerous? 
or was he just like an interesting figure that like remains interesting and has interesting insights about the nature of liberalism that liberalism liberals wouldn't have wanted to admit right but but nonetheless are true right or or insightful well and that's a good point because like you know we're talking about someone who didn't contribute anything to the to the actual power structures that did become frightful um but like yeah i don't know like that it's a, it's a tough like that's a whole another topic of like you know when you when you disclose or express like uh insights about um you know about about things that are what's the better word than meaningful things that have like you know serious impact on um like the world that everybody lives in you know is it is is there something wrong with expressing those or is there something wrong with being enthusiastic and going and seeking out the power structures that you think are are the next wave like oh yeah i think that's like bad <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. like you know like insofar as he's any kind of actual political actor i think nick land is probably a horrible person but like mm -hmm. as a as a thinker you know like is there anything dangerous about the things that he's doing I don't know. Like, I don't know if books are dangerous, but that's that's a topic for another time sometime, I guess. But yeah, I think that would be another topic. And I would also, <laughs> I would also just say that it's not really books that are the, the thing with him is like because he's also using this like form of this new sort of apparatus of power. And yeah, not, that's true. But, but like, I don't, I don't think he's that effective. Right. Like, I think his his stuff is probably about as effective as books. Like, you know, as maybe, maybe his power or whatever. Right. Like, that's mm -hmm. only. I don't know. I think I think like um, I think the the reason that he fixated on a person like Moldbug, like whose ideas basically just reflect his own. Like, there's no reason for Nick Land to write a whole essay on the works of Mencius Moldbug, right? Like, they're they're not any more um, profound than his own. But I, I think the reason that he went there was because like Mencius Moldbug grew out of the actual power apparatus that Nick Land is curious about right the the um the one that appeals to I don't know like people on like the internet so yeah like that I think like that that instinct of his to go to go there rather than to write a book um to to post an online thing which is like long like I'm like you know it'd be painful I read it but it would be painful for someone who was just kind of clicking through racist blogs to try and read like if they just wanted to see something about like you know white birth rates but like the the thing they wrote about moldbug was like basically just saying hey moldbug agrees with me um here i am on the same forum right like he he kind of intuitively knew how to insinuate himself into something that he wasn't already a part of and that was the thing that he knew was uh serious now like a new, like a new serious thing so i don't know i mean i think there's something like there's i don't there's something about him that's like i think he's willing to go there in a way and i think we didn't talk about this part but you know the fact that he didn't um the fact that academia didn't prove to be for him what he wanted it to be right um he was he was willing not to just languish there and he was willing to turn elsewhere and do something like a little bit more um uh, dynamic and yeah those people are 
uh, I guess they're, I don't know, they could do something other than just write a book that only three people read. Um, yeah. Right. I, yeah. Um, I'm not sure about that last part. But, well, okay, um, so, um, I, is Nick Land really doing much more than writing a book that three people read? Like, I I don't know if he is, but I think he's yeah. like he's he's sensing he's sent like because academia like again uh, cathedral blah, blah blah you're not allowed to say things blah blah. Academia wasn't the outlet for him. For right. This, right. So like he he wasn't willing to just accept that and say, well, I'll just get like a tenure position. I'll write things quietly and I won't really make a big stink about the dangerous ideas that I have. Instead, he went off off grid and um, found other ways to propagate these ideas. And that's one way to put it, I suppose. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, it, it seems like a very rational process. He had a fucking it, mental breakdown. Uh, I think the rational the part was like then, to, to insinuate himself into forums, though, right? Like that's uh, that seems like oh it, later on, yeah, 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 yeah. Given what he seems to know and seems right. to to delve into um, about how like society is and so forth, I think that was a move that's consistent with him being sharp, right, um, and trying to do something, right. Um, so I don't think he's I don't think he's a he's a, a sort of a comfortable academic in the sense of like, well, OK, you know, I, I just want a chair and I want to publish, but I don't care who reads it. I think like he kind of turned away from that. And, you know, maybe, right. maybe yeah. I, mean, I, I think that that's a pretty that's a caricature and nobody who actually gets a chair thinks like that. But well, like we were um, picking on LeCloud, so let's just say like, yeah, but like, I don't think he thinks like that. Right. And so um, but yeah. I, uh, you know, Laclau's a pretty committed socialist, but um, yeah, I, I just mean like he's created a kind of alternative cathedral, <laughs> right? Like it's Peter Deal's cathedral or whatever, right? And uh, you know, nobody, nobody on the other side really takes him that seriously. He's not read widely, right? He's Laclau of the neo reaction movement, which means he's like not even Laclau, right? And so, like, I think that's. Um, there's nothing to be scared of there, but uh, you know, um, it doesn't mean his his writing isn't worth engaging. Well, yeah. how, about, how about this? You say like you know, not even Leclau. I kind of thought that was the point. Like it's it's that there is no there's no point in doing that. So like okay, here was the analogy I was gonna make like. Nick, like Nick Landon, so he writes that Jacobite, which is like, um, yeah, sure. It's where um, it, it's not a magazine, it's not an online magazine, but it's like it's a blog basically with articles, and everybody who writes on it seems to be some kind of like a failed or ousted or semi six like like not quite successful academic in the humanities almost always. So like you've got you know, somebody who's like a Kant specialist, somebody who's like a historian, somebody who's um, like, you know, writes about German idealism. And like, to me, this is like the, like the Bruce Springsteen song of like the academic humanities world. Like these are the people who the plant closed on. Right, yeah, <laughs> that's like, right. Yeah. You know, drive, like drive out of town in their beat up like Plymouth. And, I think like there's something 
there's something savvy about like um you're not going to try to be Leclau for the right you're going to be offline you're going to be off grid you're going to you know you're going to be like this um this outsider figure and i think like it can it can fail or it can succeed it probably can't really succeed in any real sense but it's like it can it can fail or it can get you somewhere but i think what these guys represent is like and this is kind of where I, I this is why i wanted to like go through the whole history of like post structuralism in the in the academy to start with was because like there's really no room for those guys there anymore like there mm, it's yeah. it's it's not that there was no consistency of ideology. It's just that, like, there's just not that many tenure track jobs. Like, nobody wants to hear what you assholes have to say. Like, why did you get this degree if you're not going to suck up, right? And, like, so they went off and they're doing their job in their own way, right? And it's like, they're not going to make any money out of it. They're not going to be successful. But, like, that is the shrinking. That's the contraction of the knowledge economy. It's uh, a university system that produces a bazillion graduates and they're all pretty good writers and they all kind of know their their area um but they have a lot of hostility and resentment and and they're kind of capitalizing on the fact that they're saying what you know they weren't allowed to say right how far that goes like i don't think there's a lot of kind of cachet to that but in a certain zone there is there's enough and they kind of get off on it too it gives them satisfaction as well so yeah, that that's the they're like the kind of like uh, the guy in in the river who like gets married pregnant and like you know in the back. Oh no, yeah, that's right. Scar, right? Like they're like the 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 world that they thought they had you know kind of a place in kind of shrunk and left them outside of it. And the assumption is usually right, like that. Uh, you know, when I was in graduate school, and I would voice a worry like this to. Um, a very senior and excellent professor. He said, "You know, don't worry. You're smart and you work hard. You just go down to the, some nonprofit organization and you'll be running it in three years or whatever." And like, <laughs> I was like, "Okay, well, that's but that's the sort of assumption is that you'll find your way into some kind of vaguely lefty establishment position, right? And and those things have also sort of dried up, and so." Yeah, and they don't want those guys. Like uh, the guys that they don't want those guys who who disagree with them, right? Like they're like those those these right wing versions of the post structuralist humanities academics are like they don't have that option. So like they're making up their own shit, I, I guess. And right, those, appeal- even those guys, like they're not they're not even like readable as right wing unless you're, <laughs> you know, like there's no reason that they couldn't just go work for the same kind of like NGO that anyone else could go work for as for a living. Well, they could, but they like right? they like they would chase not like coded. working at SPLC or something, right? Like they couldn't do it because their whole thing is like, I'm going to I'm going to rail against that. And if nobody appreciates it, they're the idiots. So like, you know, they wind up with nowhere to go, nowhere to turn after the academic jobs dry up. They, they don't have like well, that's what I'm saying. It's like I don't think like I think that's that's just true across the board. Right. Like, oh, I absolutely. I absolutely. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't think that I think that that's a fantasy that you can just walk up to an NGO nowadays with a PhD even and say, like, hi, I'm here to take an entry level job and I'll be running it in two years. Right. Like, that, yeah, that's, absolutely. Yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's a leftover of, of the, of, you know, the old economy or whatever. 
right. I see what you're saying. Yeah, no, yeah. that's that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I guess the uh, the experience of going through all that as a you know as a as a fierce um, libertarian uh, is seems to be more traumatizing because they all go on right for Jacobite and uh, right or even that like I feel like well I mean I feel like that would actually play a big role in 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 getting them there radicalizing you yeah, right? yeah like yeah. one way or the other right mm-hmm. yeah like, for sure you know, uh, either you go join the DSA or you go right for Jacobite or whatever right? yeah 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 but anyway. Yeah, this is really long, so we, yeah. better, we better stop. Um, uh, any any final thoughts, or should we just uh, sign off? Yeah, no, that sounds good. Let's just sign off there. Okay, bye.